0: Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The Swish. I appreciate you all coming out to check us out. We have a very special guest joining us today. Um, like always, my co-host here, Rafael Nieto. Say hi, Rafael.
1: What's going on, everybody?
0: There's a little, little uh, technical issues, but we'll, we'll sort it out right now. Um, Marin Fader, thank you for joining us. She is an author and writer for The Ringer and has a new book coming out. Uh, Giannis, the Rise of an of an Improbable NBA MVP, thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: We wanted to, um, well, thank you for joining us, and we wanted to uh, start off by talking about uh, the work that you've done. You've you've appeared on various publications, Bleacher Report, Ringer, um, I, right off the bat, because myself, I I tend to write from time to time. I've written for Fan cited and other small websites, and I it's it's a passion of mine that I also enjoy. How did you get your start, uh, especially getting into Bleacher Report, and then from there transferring over to the Ringer?
2: Yeah, I used to be a basketball player, so I really loved basketball and um, kind of took it as far as it could go. I, I played my first year in college, and I was really looking for a way to like stay in basketball somehow. And you know, I had loved to write just in my personal life um, as a kid, but I never thought writing could be a career. But then I thought maybe like basketball writing, like maybe I could be a sports writer. And um, when I was in college, I I didn't really get a whole lot of internships because I didn't have much experience. And I went to a really small school, but I um, started pitching to publications like Slam Magazine and Dime Magazine and SB Nation. And that's how I started to get some articles out there. And I started my career at the Orange County Register, um, which is a daily newspaper near me. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so I was there for four years and then um, then I went to Bleacher Report. So that's kind of how I got
0: started. Awesome. That's that's great. Um, it's always I always find it interesting to like hear how everyone got their start. Uh, we, we had an interview a couple of uh, weeks ago with another uh, author that, that wrote uh, a book from Hang Time to Primetime and Pete Corrado and he was telling us about his journey as well. So I always enjoy it and um, Bleacher Report. So you got in really early on with Bleacher Report because I remember back then around 2008, 2009, it was basically like open to anyone. Like, cause
2: yeah. it
0: was like, that's how it started. And now they started getting uh, with more, uh, with uh, a tougher, um, what do you call it? Like um, entry to get in there with Bleacher Report. Uh, What what year?
1: Contractual, Contractual writers.
0: Yeah, contractual writers. There you go. What year did you start writing for them?
2: Yeah, so I started as a freelancer in 2017. My first assignment was to go to Philly to profile Monet Davis. And then I freelanced for that entire year while I was still at the newspaper I just mentioned. And then 2018 is when I Uh, went to Lithuania for the Lomelo Ball story that you mentioned, and then I got hired um, full-time after that. So 2018 um, through 2020 was staff writer, but I I had essentially been writing there since 2017.
0: Oh wow, that's awesome. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, if Rafa has any questions right now before uh, we move on to the article of Lomelo.
1: I I do, I do, and there might be a lag here, with me. So uh, again, I apologize about that, but Marian, I wanted to go back, um, to your earlier days, right. Where you played college basketball. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it occurred to you, you know, at, at a certain moment that you wanted to be a writer. Did you have any passion for writing earlier in your life, right? Maybe in elementary in high school and junior high school, or is it something that sprung up all of a sudden during college?
2: Yeah, it was, like the first day that I played basketball was actually the first day I began like diary writing, like journaling. And, you know, I was just like, oh my God, I love basketball. I tried out this thing, you know. So it was just like a childhood thing that I did every day, you know. And, and then that turned into like in school, in high school, like I was really not good at math, but. English was my fave. And, you know, I just really like to write, but again, like, I didn't really think much of it. Um, I had a major injury in high school. I tore every ligament in my, one of my feet. And suddenly I just had so much time on my hands. And that was the first time I started reading Books That weren't like assigned to me in school. So I was like reading for fun for the first time. And then when I went to college, and I had such a difficult experience playing basketball and just like did not like the school I was at, um, the library became like a refuge for me. And that's when I really fell fell in love with writing and reading and just being exposed to like so many different things outside of sports and like an intellectual awakening for me, I guess. But then I was like, I really miss basketball. And so I think it was a process as far as like trying to combine those two. And it wasn't until I was done with basketball, um, the next year, um, I was like, you know what, I pushed basketball as far as I could go. Like, this isn't working out the way that I wanted it to like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, you know, fairly common for a for a college student to wonder. And um, I was like, I have no idea, but I love basketball and I love writing. So I just did both.
1: That's great. Very, very interesting. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm.
0: Who, who are some of your favorite uh, authors or uh, writers in the business that you that you admire, you looked up to, or might've been some sort of inspiration for you to start um, in, in writing for Bleacher Report and The Ringer?
2: Yeah, I really love Toni Morrison. Like I was introduced to Toni Morrison in college and I just became so obsessed and um, just her fiction is just phenomenal. And another writer I really love is um, Louise Erdrich. And um, so I did my two senior, senior I can't speak today, senior theses on Tony and Louise in college so I just enamored by those two writers and then when I became a sports writer I just became obsessed with Wright Thompson, Gary Smith, um, Jeff Perlman, Jonathan Abrams like these were all writers that I Lee Jenkins that I just like really wanted to emulate so yeah I still love those writers obviously.
0: That's awesome and uh, you're currently work uh, writing for The Ringer uh, you started not that long ago was it early in the year? Or I
2: started December 2020. Yeah, so I changed jobs December 2020.
0: I'm a huge fan of The Ringer. Rafa as well. Uh, we we loved we loved Bill Simmons uh, when he had Grantland as well. How, how is it working there with, with The Ringer? How how has the, the atmosphere been there? How has it been the team, the crew, everything, everyone there over there at The Ringer?
2: It's great. Uh, I really like my editor, uh, Matt Dollinger, and he actually used to edit Uh, Lee Jenkins so I you know when I found out Matt was going to be my editor I was so excited and um, you know they just they just let me do the articles that I'm really passionate about and and subjects that I'm interested in and you know we're working on audio stuff as well so it's been really really awesome I'm super relieved to be in a space that is you know both writing and audio and
1: um, yeah I really like it. That's awesome. Uh, Starting a new starting a new Starting a new gig in the middle of a global <laughs> pandemic, I'm sure that also had its uh, had its challenges. Yeah,
2: it was really weird. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to leave Bleacher Report. You know, they, uh, they laid off everyone except for me. And so I still had my job there, but I didn't have an editor. So I was like, I can't work here anymore. And so... I was like, all right, what am I going to do? You know, should I just stay, figure it out? Or, you know, so um, when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, oh, perfect, because I've always wanted to write for The Ringer.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I love The Ringer. Uh, a lot of their articles, uh, me and Rafa were huge fans also of Shea Serrano. Uh, we followed yeah, he's great. early on. So uh, we're familiar with The Ringer. Uh, one of your pieces, though, for Beach, for Bleacher Report, the profile you did on, on LaMelo Ball, what was that experience like? Uh, were you able to profile Lavar ball as well up close, or was it just strictly uh, Lamello's uh, basketball games over there in uh, Lithuania?
2: Yeah, I got to talk with Lavar for that as well. And um, it was really interesting because this was just such a young kid thrown into such a difficult circumstance. And, you know, not everyone embraced him the way they are now. So it was really controversial for them to make this move and so it was just was really interesting trying to watch a boy try to be a man in the strangest of environments it was very cold it was very different from California he's out of place everyone's out of place I'm out of place Um, so it was just like very interesting and I think it just really shaped him in a lot of ways and created even more resilience that you know he already had but and some so it was fascinating
1: did why, you... Miron? Why, why? And this—who knows? This is a question, maybe for his dad, right? But why Lithuania?
0: Yeah, I've also thought that as well.
1: Well, no, I... and, and and no offense to the country or anything. It's just that when I think of a European, of a strong Europe European basketball league, I think of Italy. I think of Spain.
2: Yeah. So basically, um, they weren't trying to go to a strong league. They were trying to go somewhere that was terrible competition so they could dominate. Um, And even when they got there, they pulled, LeVar pulled them out of the league that they were in and they started playing against younger, more awful competition. So the article was also about like just how LeVar tried to like really orchestrate this so his sons could look really good. So, and, you know, Lithuania, this club was also willing to give him whatever he wanted. So whatever promo he wanted to coach, take over the team, do all this, they let him. Uh, not a whole lot of clubs would do that because they're professional clubs. Um, but this organization was like, yes, please. We'd love the clout off of do whatever you want. Um, so that's another reason why they went there.
1: I remember some of that when, um, you know, when 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 that whole family was over there. I remember uh, something after like the first game, basically making it very clear they were going to let them do whatever it is that they wanted to do, particularly the father. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So it was golden opportunity. Each side gets money. It was kind of a sham. Uh, so it was weird reporting that, you know, cause everyone was like thinking it was this great thing. And I was like, no, actually it's kind of awful quality of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: this, this definitely helped LaMelo in terms of, of getting them more, more recognition, more spotlight to prepare him for the NBA draft. Cause afterwards um, uh, this is another piece that you wrote, that he that he went for to australia am i correct
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, what what was that experience also because you you got to travel over there
2: yeah it was great i mean i feel so lucky to have gone to two countries i probably would never be able to afford or go on my own and um but you know lamello was in a much better place in australia and he got to have some freedom from his dad. And so I was just very curious, again, this maturation process, he's slowly coming into his own as a person, as a man and just, you know, he was really open and reflective about the ways in which he's been exploited his whole life. And um, I think the key quote that'll always stick with me is just him saying, you know, people treat you like a dollar sign. So it was just very interesting to see him in that environment.
0: Wow. That's, that's great. Um, It's, it's very interesting to see how, his, well, no, I mean, his career just started, but how the, all the buildup from that family and uh, with Lonzo already in the NBA, how that paved the way for him to make it to the league. And it's and it's interesting. I mean, this is a question that I always ask. Um, I ask, we talk, me and Rafa talk about basketball every other day. So we're always talking about every scenario and every draft pick and everything. Uh, I wanted to ask you, did you predict Lamelo? based on on the profile you did and everything him coming all the way up to the NBA and, and uh, the draft and him going to Charlotte. Like, I mean, was it something that you said by profiling him saying, you know what, he has a future. He looks like he could make an impact as soon as he gets into the NBA.
2: I mean, I knew he was going to go top three based on what I was hearing, but I had no idea that he was going to be this good or, contribute at all like I had no idea you know I think everyone is lying if they say I knew because not me but them they knew and none of us knew um all I knew is that he was just really confident in himself and he believed in himself that was very clear to me he knew he could make an impact at the next level I genuinely wasn't sure I you know his defense was spotty um he showed tremendous court vision all the things you see now he was doing but shot selection was kind of strange i just i wasn't sure you know would a team throw him out there or would they set him you know i just there was a million scenarios that could have happened so i had no idea to be honest
0: i mean and he comes out winning a rookie of the year so i'm yeah. also mm-hmm. surprised uh with with a small market like charlotte uh rafa did you also think he was
1: gonna make it this big <laughs> No, absolutely not. Um, I, I remember reading somewhere a few years ago. Uh, I think it was um, his brother's freshman year in UCLA, where I guess, you know, LaMelo must have been 16 or something at the time. And the article saying, wait for his brother, LaMelo, he's, he's really the star of the family. Um, you know this, Ivan. I, I, I've, I've never been the, like a big. People are a big fan uh, of of the way his father has handled father. the whole situation, um, I, I guess over 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 selling his kids uh, their, their talent uh, to the point where it's ludicrous, right? Oh, you know they're they're, they're better than so and so. They could beat so and so on a one on one, etc. So when I read that, it just seemed like another you know tall tale, tall tale you know story. Yeah. Um, but reading, reading, you know, sports articles all over the internet during training camp, uh, leading into the season, talking about how you know he's the real deal, it slowly started to become a you know well, maybe that article that I read so many years ago had some truth. To it.
0: Yeah, and Leandro
1: what what is happened know, fast, And you're, he was rookie of the year. And what, what
0: has happened of G- Liangelo uh, during uh, your profile of LaMelo? Was Liangelo there as well or was he supportive? I mean, I, I haven't heard anything of him since.
2: Yeah, he for the Australia one, he visited, but you know, just I don't know if I know he's tried out for a couple teams in the NBA and had a couple of G League invites, but nothing really recently.
0: I think the last I heard he had a G league for Oklahoma city, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, I didn't hear anything after that. So who knows, but I mean, I loved the article. Uh, I mean, everything you, you did on the mellow and, and uh, his whole family, that, that was very, very great. Um, I wanted to say thank you for that. That was awesome.
2: Well, thank uh, you.
0: I, I wanted to move on now to talk about it's perfect timing as well, because we're in the middle of the NBA finals about your book, uh, Giannis, for anyone out there that doesn't know Maren Fader, a writer for The Ringer, uh, she is the author of the upcoming book, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. I'm putting up the picture right now so y'all could see. Uh, It comes out August 10th, right? Yes. Okay, so August 10th, you could buy it anywhere they sell books, off of Amazon. I already pre-ordered it. Uh, So I wanted to talk to you about Giannis, the him and his brothers and, and like you said, his the rise to NBA fame and how he's doing right now. How did you get started with, with this, um, with a book and, and with profiling Giannis, uh, d- did you pick that you wanted to, to write a book on him or was it something that someone like, uh, suggested or, or how, how was that process?
2: Yeah, it started because I did a story on Giannis and his youngest brother, Alex, uh, for Bleacher Report back in summer of 2019. And um, the story came out and it, you know, got a lot of good response. And people were like, you know, I've never really seen this side of Giannis. It was just, you know, it revealed more about Giannis than it did about Alex, who the profile was originally about. Um, And so I, I just thought, you know, how come we don't really know much about Giannis? He's a superstar, but we don't really know much. You know, we just know he grew up in very tough circumstances and then, you know, catapulted himself into superstardom, but we really don't know much of anything. So I just thought, you know, maybe this could be a book. Um, so I did the proposal in late 2019 after I came home from Australia, um, for that story we were just talking about. And, um, we essentially shopped it around early 2020 to different like publishing houses. And then, you know, I was fortunate enough to secure a deal in March, 2020. And then I spent the whole pandemic doing the book and then I turned it in March 1st, 2021 of this year. So um, crazy time to be locked in your apartment.
0: (laughs) And um, were you able to, to meet or interview any uh, Giannis or any of his brothers? Um, And if so, how was that like?
2: Yeah, so I definitely have the interview of when I interviewed him for the story I went to their home I interviewed his mom I interviewed all the brothers and then actually right before the pandemic in February 2020 I flew to Milwaukee to interview the brothers again. And then I got close to us again here in LA because he was playing for the G league team at that point. So literally right before the world shut down, I I talked with them again and um, it was great. I mean, I think family, we all know family is so important to him. And so um, I feel super thankful to have gotten to talk with them and, and figure out like, what are some defining life moments for Giannis and, you know, how can I best tell the most accurate book possible? So yeah, I'm really thankful for that.
0: Because he seems like such a stand-up guy, uh, very nice. He 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 values family, loyalty. Uh, he just signed the 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 contract uh, with with Milwaukee, and now after after last year that that they lost the the Miami Heat, and now that they're in the NBA Finals, one win away, uh, it just seems like everything that he's worked for, it's all coming like. Uh, together and a uh, perfect timing for the book as well circle. yeah full circle it's perfect timing uh wh- what do you think right now of the NBA finals um are, are, are you a fan of the bugs <laughs> just- I,
2: I, I, I have a vested interest in them winning because if they win that helps my <laughs> book I I'm a human being I can admit that Uh, normally we don't cheer in the press box, but yes, I would love for the bucks to win. Um, But no, just, you, you gotta just respect Giannis and his journey. Of course, he deserves a ring. So does Chris Paul, but like, obviously I didn't, do a biography of Chris Paul um but I, I just think the, the book awesome. is
1: called Giannis not Chris yeah. it's called
2: Giannis okay it's not called cp 3 um I <laughs> just knowing like not just what Giannis has been through in his own personal life but what the books have gone through as a franchise as a city uh, a big part of the book is just the rise of Milwaukee and from its inception of people saying it can't be a basketball city and talking to fans talking to staffers talking to old coaches talking to old players. Um, the amount of Bucks people I talked to for this book is, is plenty. And I think, um, I just feel very happy for them to have come this far because, you know, they never anticipate winning. They are always, you know, expecting disappointment and always getting the short end of the stick. Um, and it's just very nice to see them have their moment.
0: Uh, right now that the Bucks are up three, two, uh, has, how have you because I know that that his brother uh was was not clear to did, did something happen to him during the, the NBA finals? I think he's he's actually out for the remainder. I read somewhere, but um what what do you what do you think? I mean, what have you heard of that? I haven't I I wanted to talk a little bit about that because what I saw was very vague about him being out.
2: Yeah, unfortunately I don't know. It's all been kept under wraps about the NASA, so I don't have any new reporting on that, unfortunately.
0: Okay, and um, so now that the book is out on August 10th, do you have anything else that you have lined up coming up, or you just want to see how how everything goes with the release of the book before uh, lining up something else, or is is that something maybe in the future? Would, would writing up a would writing a second book be something that you've thought of, or you're just enjoying the the process right now?
2: Yeah, I would love to do a second book. I'm kind of thinking of a couple ideas right now. Um, I, I've set a goal for myself to turn in a proposal for a second book by December of this year. Um, I don't quite yet know who I have a couple people that I'm thinking about. Um, it's really hard because, you know, it's easier when it comes out of a story like this one. But it's also exciting to start something brand new. So I'm trying to think like, do I turn a story into a book again or should I just start over? Or like, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited. And it's been so, um, it's been so weird doing a book cause I've never done one before. And so now I know the process, I'm excited to have this under my belt and move forward. Um, I have another story coming out this week on The Ringer that I'm excited about. I've been working on it for a while. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for that to come out this week. So just going to continue writing, you know, as many features as I can.
1: Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, One thing. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, no, one thing I definitely wanted to mention. And if I start to lag here with the bad signal that I'm getting, please uh, just wave at me or or something. I'll let you (laughs) go. Okay. Uh, no, w- one of the things Ren, that, that, that I wanted to say about Giannis is that he's such a throwback. Okay. He doesn't, he's not out there looking for the, for the limelight. Um, and I have two things to say to that. And, and something tells me that, that you, you touch upon this in your book, not, in, not, maybe not using the exact words or analogies that I'm about to use, but in your own way. So two things. Here in South Texas, we're very used to players like that. Uh, We've had, you know, our David Robinsons. We've had our Tim Duncans. Players that have stayed with the same franchise throughout their entire career. Players that don't necessarily go out there and, you know, make all these commercials and, and, and try to strike up all of these multi-million dollar shoe deals and all of that. Don't make all of the highlight reels. You know, on TV and all of that. So it's very refreshing, at least to me as a hardcore Spurs fan. Uh, it's very refreshing to me to see someone like that in another market similar to San Antonio's. So when he re-signed with Milwaukee and didn't go to a, sorry, you went to like to a Miami or to an LA mm-hmm. or to a New York, it was it was so wonderful. It was so so wonderful, and I'm not saying that you know he looked at someone like Tim Duncan and said, you know, I wanna I wanna I wanna do um, you know I wanna do what he did what he did, which is something that uh, Joker in Denver recently alluded to. So that's number one. Number two, it makes perfect sense because um, I, I, I remember hearing um, Stephen Stephen A. from ESPN uh, saying recently that look, this is Giannis. He comes from a, he has very humble beginnings over in Greece. So to him, a place like Milwaukee is Los Angeles, a place like Milwaukee versus, you know, when compared to where he comes from is Miami beach. So he's the difference to him between Milwaukee and LA is not going to be that different when you compare the difference to him between Milwaukee and where he's from. So that was, that to me was very insightful. Um, and it made things very clear as to where his mindset is at. And so when he resigned, when he resigned with, uh, re uh, a multi-year contract with Milwaukee, it just, it fit his character perfectly.
2: Yeah. I mean, it really made sense to me for some of the reasons that you just outlined. And um, you know, he's also, it's not just the kind of city it is right. Tranquil, quiet, um, respectful, hardworking values. It's, it's the way that they've stuck by him, these people there, and they believe in him. The common thing I heard from a lot of Milwaukee fans is we watched Giannis grow up. We love him because we've been with him. So I think that, you know, Giannis loves his city as well because they love him so much. Um, You know, I think any other rookie that was on a team that won 15 games like he and the Bucks did in 2013 to 14 would have maybe just put him in the D league, then the D league and who knows what would have happened to him. So um, I think Giannis appreciates that the people of Milwaukee suck by him, believed in him and cheered him on from the beginning. Um, and he has never forgotten that. And so I think it's, it's a mutual love and um, it's really his home. It's not just where he plays basketball. It's really
1: home. But- Right, but but the title of your book, uh, "Improbable Run to an MVP," uh, that's that's perfect because he wasn't a number one pick. He wasn't mm-hmm. a number two or number three pick. I believe he was a number fifteen. Correct mm-hmm. me here if I'm wrong. Fifteen mm-hmm. pick, first round, but fifteenth yeah. pick. He didn't. So he's not another. He's not an international star like a Ben Simmons that came to an American university. No, he is legitimate, one hundred percent, an international player that you know, went to a European, I'm assuming, I don't know, European University or, 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 or started playing basketball over there and then was drafted into the NBA from afar. And again, not as a number one pick or number two, or number three pick, but as a number 15 pick, which does not guarantee you being a starter, much less a future MVP or two-time MVP, um, you know, for a team in the NBA. So it's incredible, very improbable.
2: Yeah, none of this was supposed to happen. And there were so many obstacles that, Prevented him from even being scouted. You know, he was undocumented all his life, so he didn't have a passport to go travel to tournaments. Um, every step of the way, it didn't seem likely he would succeed. And he continued to work and transform his body um, from super scrawny to what he is now and maximize yeah. his God-given gifts as well. And um, that's why people love him because success yeah. was not immediate and success was never supposed to happen. I think a lot of us see ourselves in him because um, so many of us go through hardships and I, I think people just find him so relatable.
0: Yeah and like Rafael was saying and like how you said the transformation of how he was the scrawny kid in 2013 at 20 years old to how he is right now it's just it's crazy and and how he reached MVP level and his whole journey is just it's, it's incredible. And like you said, it's such a, hu- a humble guy. It's relatable, hard work pays off and his journey is just, uh, it's, it's, it's great to be, a, uh, to, to witness how it's, it's come come along to right now mm-hmm. that NBA finals.
1: Because you, you forget earlier today, I was, I was uh, Googling pictures of, of Giannis from his rookie year and oh my God, it's just such a transformation physically. Incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know unreal. that it was the slam dunk contest. I think it was the second or third year on. That was some. Yeah. Like, oh wow! I had no. I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, with
2: Ol- Oladipo and them. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: No, and and it's funny. Uh, little. Uh, just background here. Rafa was saying, "Uh, sorry, man, because I'm a, I'm a fan of the Miami Heat. I've been a fan <laughs> uh, since Dwayne Wade played for Marquette. So that year, that everything, all the rumors and everything, was pointing to maybe Miami. <laughs> Getting a, a shot at Giannis, I was super excited. You
2: were losing your guess, mind.
0: Yes, but I mean, <laughs> I'm still. So, I'm glad he stayed with Milwaukee, and like you said, like his his fans and everything, and it's works working out for him so far. So hopefully he'll get that one. You more know what? Thing. You know what?
1: Though I, I will say this: he's a so he's a throwback in a lot of ways. But oh my god, I I, I read a somebody in Twitter said I think it was Twitter. That it's going to be a, a big fu to all of the other NBA players, creating a bunch of super teams.
2: I mean, who has he the last win, left? Who's in the, the finals? Yeah,
1: exactly. And who's yeah. about to win the title? I mean, you know, hopefully, because I am rooting for the Bucks. Vince, it. I Don't am rooting it, for Rafa. the Bucks. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so one went away. Um, so
0: August 10th, uh, Rafa, did you already pre-order Marin's book? I hope yes, so. Yes, I. Yes, I have. <laughs>
2: thank you guys
0: <laughs> um august 10th is a release of of mirin fader's book uh giannis um an improbable rise to nba MVP. um anything else you want to talk about Marin right now before we we re- finish up this conversation
2: no i just want to thank you for having me and thank you for pre-ordering um pre-orders mean so so much so yeah i'm very grateful thank you again
0: Thank you, Marin. Uh, Rafa, you want to say anything else before we, we finish up here?
1: No, I hate to be so repetitive, but really, thank you so very much for your time. Thank you so very much for your time. Yes. We, yeah, that was
0: great. We appreciate thank you, you Marin. Um, and hopefully, you'll you'll be excited and cheering um, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: yes, I will.
0: <laughs> with luck, see how tomorrow night goes. We'll see. Thank you guys guys. for tuning in uh, to the Swish. Mirren Fader, check out her work uh, on The Ringer and pre-order her book. Um, It's going to be great. You won't regret it. Comes out August 10th. So thank you guys for tuning in. Catch y'all later.